Welcome to Song Salad with Shannon and Scott. I'm Shannon. And I'm Scott. I'm a professional writer and your resident lyricist. And I'm a professional musician and your resident composer. And, and together, together, we toss up a new song each week. Using a random music genre. And a random topic. That's right. Using our proprietary, patented, perennial industrial strength salad spinner. <laughs> we one. randomize over 500 music genres. And hit the random article button on Wikipedia to get our topic. Mm-hmm. Tell our listeners what we did last week, Shannon. We wrote a march <laughs> about the Weston Convention Center, Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's cold. It, it was cold. It was cold. Uh, we <laughs> both did some pretty terrible Yinzer accents. Mine more terrible than yours, even though yours was terrible in a different way. Yeah, I guess. mine was extremely inconsistent. <laughs> Let's say that. But based on experience. Yes, indeed. And uh, I think it was rousing and made you want to go get them, whoever um is. <laughs> it made you want to go get Pittsburgh. <laughs> go go get that rest at the Westin. Yes. And this week, we actually have a very special guest. We do. Rose Eveleth from the podcast Flash Forward. Yes, Rose is a podcaster and a journalist, and she has her hand in a bunch of different projects, and we're really excited to have her on the show today. So, as usual with our guests, she will be giving us our topic, so we'll just be getting a genre when we spin the salad spinner. That's right. So let's see what's in store for us this week as we fire up the salad spinner to generate our genre. Here we go. This week, we are writing a... Electro swing song about something that Rose will tell us. Whatever she wants. Yeah. Cool. So, first impressions of Electro Swing. Uh, beats me. <laughs> I mean, I know what the two parts of it mean. <laughs> right. But together, I do not have a, a picture, you know? Uh-huh. It's like saying, like, mouse diplomat. Those two words were the first two words to come into your brain at they, this moment? They were. Thank you. Mouse diplomat would be very cute. Yeah, it would but- be like Ratatouille, <laughs> but instead of a chef, he's like solving foreign policy crises. Right. Instead of a rat chef, he's a mouse diplomat. <laughs> and we've just written the American president, but it's <laughs> with a mouse. No, I, was just, I just mean like I know what a mouse is and I know what a diplomat is, but together they aren't a thing just right. in that I know what electro is because it was actually one of our first genres. The first? No, uh, it, it may have been. Yeah. Yeah, it was our first genre. And, and then, we've done swing. And we've done swing. Now, swing could mean like swing music, like mm-hmm. big band swing, or it could mean just the rhythm of a swung like pattern so you can have straight eighth notes like one and two and three and four and or you can have swung eighth notes like one and two and three and four and so it could just be electronic music with a swung rhythm that has nothing to do with swing music hmm interesting we'll have to dig deeper to find out let's go dig grab your shovel follow us (laughs) no we'll do the work it's fine grab your shovel you're helping you always get out of this you talk your way out of it every time And we're left to dig. Okay, let's go. (laughs) 
This is really fun. Yeah. I would never have like thought of this as a genre. If you had, you'd probably be really rich. Well, I don't know about that. Well, that's true. (laughs) But one of the example songs that you played, I realized I had heard it. Yeah. Because I think it's on some commercial or something, but I wouldn't have called it Electro Swing. Like I didn't have a a name for this music. No. The the closest thing that I can kind of associate it with is postmodern jukebox. Oh, do you know them? I do. And that's not electronic in nature to, at all, but they take contemporary pop songs and perform them in like either a swing style or in the style of like Lounge 20s singers. jazz, yeah. that kind of stuff. But this is electronic music that samples swing music, like big band swing. Uh, and the specific song you're talking about is We No Speak Americano by Yolanda B. Cool. It's really a fun song. It is. And you can hear in the background the more traditional sounding swing music, which they've either, which sounds like this either because it was like from an old gramophone or they've like processed it. So it sounds like it's from an old gramophone. Let's play a little bit of it now before we keep talking about it, because I think that's helpful. Yeah. Si tu la parla mezza americano, quando si fa la mola sotto la luna, come da vena in cave di I love you. Papa l'americano. So it's that. Yeah. So you can hear it. The swing beat is sped up in the background to kind of bring it up to tempo with what we usually think of as electro or edm music right exactly so djs that create this type of music will take samples of vintage swing music and either speed it up or change its uh, tonality and give it that kind of like processed high pitch sound if they need that sometimes they'll add more real instruments on top of it to change the sound and obviously add uh, new vocals to it, either short vocal ideas that repeat or more extended actual like verses over the song. Um, and then it's all layered with electronic drum grooves. So it's very like upbeat and fun and happy sounding, I think. Yeah. Some other notable artists and songs include Robot Face. Uh, it's Caravan. Oh, album. Yes. Robot face. (laughs) The artist is Caravan Palace. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Another one of their songs is called Dramaphone. some lyrics from caravan palace's album robot face and 
they fall into, as far as I can tell, two main structural camps, which is the one that you said uh, about like kind of repetitive and like short lyrics that are just kind of like, hey, hey, let's do the thing. Hey, <laughs> hey, like over and over again. Uh, just sort of like lyrics again as another like texture in the music and right, not meant right. to be sung. And then there's also lyrics that feel more like traditional swing lyrics. Oh, cool. Where you're singing about dancing. I like that. Um, so it's like, it's the hot jazz dance tonight and we're going to go do the <laughs> dance or like whatever. <laughs> It's hot jazz dance tonight. It's so hot. I wish I had AC. You couldn't see listeners, but I was doing jazz hands. Yes. Um, and uh, and then, but all the lyrics are not. They're not story lyrics. It doesn't okay. seem like uh, they tend to be like meditations or more like impressionistic kind of. Uh, I'll I'll give you an example. How about yeah, that? Yeah, please. So this one's actually about. Uh, it's called Wanda, but it uh, by Caravan Palace. W O N D A Wanda, and um, it's about talking on the telephone. That is pretty wonderful. Yeah. So here's the verse: Way away from home, and I don't know what to do. So I grab the telephone because I've been blue. It rang and rang and rang. It rang again. God damn it! Then a big <laughs> big boy said, "Uh, hello. Stop the ringing calls. God damn it all." So it's. It's like um it's like word scatting. I think we can do that. And swing is treated a little bit broadly, I feel like in this genre mm. because I read about other DJs that have sampled like what's called gypsy jazz, which Ooh. is like uh you know bohemian like guitar based and violin based kind of jazz. Uh so I think it's really more vintage like electro vintage yeah than necessarily electro swing if you were going to be real specific about it but i think we can uh, have a little bit of license based on that sounds good i think this will be fun i do too and i hope rose will enjoy this topic this genre yup <laughs> this, <laughs> this genre for some reason i don't know there's something about reaching back into the past uh-huh. and taking something and transforming it with technology yeah. that feels very futuristic to me. And I feel uh-huh. like Rose might like that. It's kind of steampunk. In it a way. is like it's a flying machine made out of old like gears and steam pipes and stuff. Like <laughs> this is the musical equivalent of that. This is the musical equivalent of a man wearing a top hat and sprocket glasses. <laughs> and just covered in pocket watches. Yeah, exactly. That make him levitate somehow. Yep. yep. This is that. Great. <laughs> Steampunk music. We've found it. Well, that is actually a genre, but for another day. It is? Oh, yes. <gasps> is it on our list? It should be if it's not. Okay, we'll make sure it's on our list because that sounds amazing. Should we get Rose on the phone? I think we should. On that Wanda phone? On the telephone. <laughs> the let's, new contraption, that telephone. Let's call her up. I'm going to pick up this one side of the telephone and put it to my ear and pick up this other side of the telephone and put it to my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, the gag, the visual gag of an old phone really works well in an audio medium. I described it very well. Mm-hmm. Here we go. 
We have with us Rose Eveleth from the Flash Forward podcast. Rose is a producer, a designer, and a writer. She's currently based in Berkeley, California. She has written for Wired. She's written for Motherboard. She's written for BBC Future. Her show, Flash Forward, focuses on the future, which is a very (laughs) big topic, but specifically the way in which the future is possible or not so possible. Rose, was that an okay encapsulation (laughs) of your show? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's totally it. It is like hard to describe sometimes, right? Because the future is everything. (laughs) Well, it gives you uh, a a nice uh, well of topics to draw from. Oh, totally. Yeah, there's like no end. You can, and you, because it's about like future scenarios, you can truly just make up whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) That's the secret. It's really awesome. Um, If you haven't listened to Flash Forward before, some of the, the topics, some of my favorite favorite topics were um let's see fungus among us was uh one uh, uh, an episode from last season where rose explored the idea of whether or not our choices are our own because we may be colonized by fungus <laughs> that controls our brains it's kind of a constant worry for me <laughs> yeah. yeah fair enough fair enough uh, there's also a great episode about the possibilities of teleportation and how those may or may not come to fruition in order to cut people's commutes down. <laughs> uh, and one of my favorites is the Dr. Doolittle episode where I think this episode really um, encapsulates the idea that, uh, you know, when you're like just high and talking about weird things with your <laughs> friends like yeah, yeah 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 ideas exactly like what if dogs could talk <laughs> but then rose goes and says okay but what if really dogs could talk <laughs> and then she talks to a bunch of scientists and smart people who tell you how it might be possible so how did this uh, idea for the podcast come to be rose um highideas.com no um which is a real site which i love actually um oh including things like if you had white chocolate chocolate milk how would you know it wasn't just regular milk <laughs> which is what i so like um so yeah um great ideas on highideas.com no um so a couple of years ago um i was freelancing and a friend of mine named annalee newitz was the editor of io9 she's also the founder of io9 at gizmodo or at um gawker And she, it was right around when Serial had come out and, you know, everybody wanted a podcast, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. was like, gotta, gotta get on the podcast train. (laughs) And her and I had been talking and she was like, do you have any podcast ideas? And I was like, boy, do I have podcast ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I pitched her a couple different ideas and we both really liked this one the best. And that's kind of how it was, was born. I mean, the first season was super short episodes. They were like 18, 20 minute episodes, Uh usually with maybe one expert. Um, But the thing that kind of, we were both excited about is that the show combines sort of fiction and journalism. So at the top of every episode, there's like a little audio drama where you kind of hear a scene from the future and kind of go and see what's going on. And then we kind of talk or I kind of talk to experts sort of in the second half of the show. Um, And so that kind of combination of drama, audio drama, fiction and journalism is kind of right in the io9 wheelhouse where they covered a lot of sort of science and tech, but also a lot of sci-fi and sort of um, the fictional side of things. So that's kind of how it was born. And then kind of I sort of took it off from there. 
And what is it that you feel like you can achieve in a podcast that you can't necessarily get across in a written medium like traditional journalism? Yeah, I mean, it's so cliche. People are like, podcasts are intimate, right? (laughs) Which is like at this point almost like an absurd cliche because what does that actually mean? But I do think that there is something about hearing someone's voice that is different than reading their voice on paper. And, you know, I think that this is – it's especially true um, for people who are storytellers, people who are sort of really good at telling that story. You know, you have friends who are like just really good at telling stories and at parties. They're always the one that mm-hmm. everyone wants to hear from. And, you know, it's when we talk about the best writers, a lot of the best writers have a really strong and identifiable voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something about hearing people that I think changes the dynamic of a story where someone can write something down and it can feel one way. And then when you hear them tell it and you hear them, you know, get choked up or you hear them get really quiet or you hear them kind of thinking um, and and pausing a lot and kind of clearly considering the question. It kind of changes the sort of emotional resonance, I think, of a lot of these pieces. So, um, for example, I did an episode about um, what it would be like if humans couldn't trick ourselves like if we could never deceive ourselves what would that be Mm. like and it would actually Mm. be horrible right like we all rely (laughs) on being able to like kind of lie to ourselves all the time about like all sorts of stuff um and one of the um the people I interviewed Jacqueline Gill who's actually a really amazing climate researcher um and paleo climate researcher but she and I talked about um imaginary friends and the sort of stories that kids tell themselves about um you know the way the world works and you have these sort of little games you play with yourself. Like if you're afraid to go get up and go to the bathroom, you know, in the middle of the night and you have your imaginary friends in your world of, you know, you create this world. And, and I asked her, you know, as a scientist, as a person who thinks about science, you know, would you, would you miss that? You know, there's, I think scientists are often perceived or sort of depicted as being very, you know, like no, no imagination allowed, right. You have to be very factual. Um, And when she started talking about, you know, a world where she didn't have that or a world where her kids might not have that. She got really emotional in a way that I don't know that I could have conveyed in text. Like Mm -hmm. she sort of started crying and was then was like, why am I crying about this? This is like ridiculous, (laughs) you know? But I think that if I had described like Jacqueline chokes up, like it's not as compelling as when you hear her actually kind of that sound catch in her throat. So I think that's like what people love about audio. I think that you can go off the deep end on that side. And I think sometimes can overuse it and be manipulative with emotions and audio and ways you can't in print but that's a whole other rant I will not go on for now (laughs) but yeah I love audio because hearing people talk like we've all had that experience where somebody that you have followed for a long time you know but you've never heard them speak and then you hear them and you're like oh my god that's not what I thought they sounded like or something like that you know there's something about the voice absolutely and I and I think with so many of the topics you covered they feel so far away from our everyday experiences that it's actually really nice to hear people talk about them because it humanizes them. Uh, it, it humanizes the ideas. Uh, and it also, uh, and maybe this sounds weird, but I think it's weirdly comforting to know that there are lots <laughs> of really smart people out there thinking about all of these weird things. I totally agree with that. <laughs> like, That's so oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah. Like, oh, good. It's not just me laying awake at 3 a.m. Right. Who's like, what if all the trash surrounding our planet like hits a communication yeah. satellite and then like <laughs> there's like a whole blackout on Earth or whatever, um, totally. which was a really fascinating episode called The Space Roomba. By the way, check it out. So have there ever been any topics that you've wanted to cover that have been too not so possible? Like anything that's too speculative (laughs) that was hard to find like a credible expert to speak to? 
No, I mean, it's so funny. <laughs> like, I feel like I have the opposite problem sometimes. It's the ones that are really likely that I feel like are overcovered. Like, we, I've done episodes in the first season. I think the second ever episode, maybe, is about a future where space pirates drag a second moon to Earth and the Earth suddenly has two moons. <laughs> so, like, we really just, like, and it's sort of become a running joke on the show that, like, we're out in space pirate territory where it's like, this is never going to happen. There's no chance. I mean, we've done one where the Earth stops revolving around the sun and literally just falls into the sun. Um, <laughs> done ones where it's like everyone wakes up one day and is face blind can no longer recognize each other by their faces like what happens yeah. you know so those right. ones are easy right those are easy because like yes you know there is a challenge sometimes in getting scientists to like engage in that level of speculation which i totally understand right they like have reputations they need to protect and they don't want to be seen as like <laughs> engaging in you know in like these insane questions but um but those ones are actually usually pretty easy because um Actually, a lot of scientists like those. They're fun, right? And, you know, I am I try to be very clear and very respectful of scientists, you know, and sort of say, like, this is not going to happen, you know, but let's talk about some of these elements, right, that might be embedded within this question. Um, so for the space mm. pirates one, you know, I talk to folks who think a lot about spacecraft design. And, like, you know, when we talk about asteroid mining, which is a real thing that people are really talking about, you know, there are questions of how do you design a spacecraft to capture sort of a giant object in space, right? A moon-sized object in space. Like, what does that look like? And there are people who study, you know, what the moon does for the tides and, you know, how animals navigate via the moon. And so they're like, often when you sort of break it down into the smaller pieces, it's easy. The ones that are really hard are the ones where it's too likely, where it just feels like overcovered. So one mm -hmm. um, that people have requested a lot, and I've not been able to figure out a way to do it on the show that feels satisfying to me is driverless cars. Oh, because I just feel like there's so much coverage of driverless cars in the world that like, what am I going to add to this conversation? You know what I mean? Like there's just so mm -hmm. much coverage of all the companies and everything. And um, so I, I avoid those sometimes or ones. There's another one that um, for a long time people asked about, which was living forever, um, which isn't possible is sort of in space pirate territory but also feels like it's overcovered at the same time like there's sort of this group of mostly like rich white guys who are obsessed with this question and then to <laughs> me I'm like this is just not interesting like I don't know like I just couldn't figure out what it, what to do about it so um I did end up doing an episode um about that but I sort of said it in the um in the context of the prison system in the United States so like what does it look like when you can sentence a person to like 300 years in prison you know, and like, how does that work? And like, what are the ethical implications of that? And what happens when they get out and like 300 years of technology has changed? You know, we already have this problem with folks who are incarcerated for a long time where they come out and like, they've never seen a smartphone before. But like, what does that look like times 300? Um, yeah. So that's kind of, yeah, the, the ones that are really likely are the ones that are actually a lot harder for me to do. That's so interesting. <laughs> I would not have thought that, but it, it makes sense. Um, yeah. And as you can hear, there are no like, obvious takes on flash forward like you're not just going to go straight at an issue and just present it in a really straightforward way like you come at the topics from all these really interesting angles mm -hmm. like talking about immortality from the lens of someone who's incarcerated for a longer than a lifetime um yeah so, this, this yeah. is something that i was going to mention that i love about the show that actually kind of connects with some of what we do on song salad is that i feel like you start with this you know, topic, this general topic, and then you'll start going off into, for instance, with the teleportation episode, you start talking about the origin of roads 
in this country, <laughs> you know? And that's never somewhere where my mind would go in researching teleportation. And we find ourselves going down these like connective Wikipedia rabbit holes with our topics too. So I wanted to know from you, you know, in researching a broader topic, was there any like, you know, tangent you went on where you found some little tidbit or some other topic to research that you never thought would have been helpful in the way that it was connected to the the larger topic you were presenting. Yeah, I feel like that that's the best part, right? When you discover that thing where you're like, oh, and also <laughs> this. You know? right. um, I like I love that. And I, you know, part of the philosophy of the show is like trying to provide an alternative vision of futurism that isn't like the same five white guys in black t-shirts on the TED talk stage, you know, like (laughs) I just feel like there's so much of that. And so like, um, that is part of why I like talk to a lot of historians, right? Cause like history is often left out when we talk about futurism and like how else are we going to know what's going to happen unless we (laughs) actually look at what's happened before. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. I think often, um, It's the historical stuff that like I had no idea about that winds up being so interesting. So one episode that I did last season was about um, why don't we live underwater? Right. There's this like (laughs) there was a sort of era of of sort of um, prediction where we, you know, underwater cities were like really popular, really common in sort of like the sci fi imagination, Um, whether that was like Aquaman or whether it was you know Tom Swift and his underwater you know city and all that stuff. Um, and we don't have that. We don't have anything close to that. Like we're not even like, we have nothing that's like that. (laughs) And I sort of thought that it would be because, um, it's hard, right? Obviously. But I was sort of like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's because the open ocean is, um, is a legal gray area. So the questions of like who owns what and can you really build, um, but I sort of thought like, well, we go to space, right? Like it can't be harder than going to space, you right. know? Like, and it turns out it probably is harder than going to space. Um, and and there's this really long and interesting history about trying to live underwater that I had no idea about. And so I wound up finding this guy who's um, who wrote a book about Sea Lab, which was this project that sort of was founded really at the same time as the space program. And there was this moment in time when we were both going to space and going underwater. And actually, you know, the president would talk about, um, you know, that these were, these were sort of two sides of the same coin that we had to do both. They were both really important. Um, and then eventually sort of like we, we stopped doing this underwater thing. We really just focus on space. And there, I mean, there's some obvious reasons for that, right. That like the military, right. There's a lot more military applications to satellites than there are to like, you know, submarines generally. Um, but there's this fascinating history where, um, the, a lot of the people who worked on those programs kind of had some overlap. There were actually astronauts who then became aquanauts. Um, and who said it was harder. It was way harder to do this underwater project than to go into space. Like it was much more testing on the body. There was, it was much more dangerous. Um, people died trying to build this under build these underwater sort of like sea enclosures and try to go down and and live in them um but then there are also this this guy who wrote this book wound up sending me these audio files that he had uncovered in his research that people hadn't heard since you know the 60s and 70s where um it was actually audio from underwater and because they're so deep they have to breathe helium otherwise they'll sort of get uh their lungs will get all messed up (laughs) and so they're these like very serious astronauts are like and it's just like listening to it is so funny and like there's this really great moment where um 
where one of the um one of the aquanauts is trying to um have this very official phone call with the president and he clearly the president clearly cannot understand a word this man is saying <laughs> and the operator this is like back in the time where you have an operator right and the operator is like i can't patch this call through the president cannot listen to this person who's like man i'm here underwater and like it's just the exchange is so <laughs> funny <laughs> like hearing the tapes and hearing them talk to each other and like it's just amazing. so that was one of the really fun ones that kind of popped up um as i was doing this research where i had no idea that I mean, I'd heard of C-Lab, right? But I had no idea there was a, such a long history and that it actually sort of had gotten so far before being abandoned. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That is a fantastic, uh, fantastic episode. So you do all this really intense thinking about the future and about potential um, for not just the country, but for the whole world and also other worlds. So how has it changed or not how you live your life now (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good question um I think I like maybe it's a chicken and an egg thing like I was always someone who like worries about everything (laughs) so like it's not like it's made me less worry less or anything actually I think it has made me worry a little bit less um in part because a lot of the time when we do ones that are like somewhat weird or, or ones where it's somewhat scary where it's like well what if somebody just like did this scary tech thing or what if you know there was a super villain who tried to do this and it turns out that like things are harder than you ever think. You know, like, everything is harder than it you know that it sounds, right? It's so easy I think in fiction to kind of like hand wave over some of the technical stuff when in reality when you talk to the people who are working on the ground about how to do this, how to actually make some of this happen, um it, it's really hard. So that's somewhat like soothing in a weird way that like when you talk to people who study things like, you know, deep fakes where you have these sort of people who can generate fake videos or whatever or people who right. study geoengineering, right? Like um which sometimes you hear people say like, "Oh, just a guy could like spray stuff into the air, right, in an airplane." And like that's actually probably not true. It's actually much harder <laughs> to do than we think it's going to be when we're sort of imagining the futures. So I think in some ways it has made me slightly, it has made me less paranoid in sort of a grand scale sense. It has made me um, a little bit more skeptical in general of a lot of tech proposals, which I already kind of was even at the beginning yeah. of this show. But it definitely has made me more skeptical of like, tech people who claim that they're going to do X, Y, or Z thing in the next five years, you know, where it's like, it never happens. It's just like never true. So, you know, I think that like the day to day, I do a lot of thinking about what ifs like more and more just because that's that's what generates the show. And once you kind of get into the what if frame of thinking, it's really easy, but it does kind of like, it makes me like weird at parties where I'm like, what if we didn't have dishwashers? What if they were never invented? You know, like if you're standing in like a house party and people are like, who are you? Like who invited you? You know, And so I think it does, but it is fun. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know that it changed like a ton of how I see the world. Um, It has made me slightly, I think less paranoid about a lot of things though. I'm just picturing you crossing things off your potential doomsday list, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. as you research each new topic. You're like, okay, well, that's yeah. not going to happen. Great. Right. This is <laughs> totally, this is just like background research for when I become a supervillain where I'm like, all right, well, that one won't work. Right. This yeah, one the won't most work. likely, <laughs> exactly. the lowest yeah, hanging one, fruit. Exactly. Wouldn't that exactly. be a I'm twist? I'm a lazy supervillain. <laughs> You're leaving a long trail of evidence behind them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. So, uh, flash forward. The fifth season premiered uh, as of this recording yesterday on March 5th. Yeah. Uh, and you're kind of mixing up the format a little bit this season, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So it's um it's mini seasons this year, um, which means that they're gonna be four little seasons of five episodes each, and they're all kind of around a theme. So this mini season is all earth themed. So yesterday's was about geoengineering, about whether we should spray sulfates into the atmosphere to cool the planet. And then over the next four weeks, um, there'll be other possible futures that are earth related. So things like, you know, what would happen if the poles reversed on the earth and like north was south and mm. south was north um which is a thing that like some scientists think is happening right now um oh and it's happened in what? the past in that on, wasn't on, on my history. list of worries and now it i is. know <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it's um it is a plot line in a really really terrible marvel comic um where one of magneto actually like tries to change he does and he successfully flips the poles of the earth to like kill a bunch of people which is like oh, so gee. funny to wow. me um but yeah so it's stuff like that some of them are likely and some of them aren't so the same kind of mixture like I was talking about. So the one, the geoengineering one, there's the polar flip one. There's one about the oceans. There's one about the deserts. And so it's sort of like all about the earth. And then the next season is all about bodies. And so it's sort of like just grouping these futures kind of into broad themes. Very awesome. cool. Yeah, definitely check out Flash Forward if you have not yet. Uh, and now, Rose, I would like yeah. to ask you to please give us our topic for this week's episode. Okay, so um, I'm going to be very lazy and just pick the thing that yesterday's episode was about because I've been thinking a lot about <laughs> it. And it's about geoengineering and specifically this idea that um, if we can't stop climate change right now, like if we're not able to stop the like way we're just spraying carbon dioxide into the atmosphere willy-nilly, which seems like what's happening, which we're not really able to do, um, there's this strategy, this plan, this idea that we could sort of pull the emergency brake and spray a bunch of sulfur aerosols into the atmosphere to cool the planet while we kind of figure everything else out. Wow. Um, it's called solar radiation management um, or sulfate aerosols, and it's this idea that's actually been in the ether, in the air, pardon the pun, um, for <laughs> a long time, like since 1965. Um, wow. And has, is something that people sort of have been talking about for a long time, but no one's really doing it. Um, but it's kind of this interesting idea about like, if we really just like cannot get our act together with climate change remediation and actual change, then like maybe we need to do this to kind of buy some more time before just disaster strikes. Very interesting. Yes. So I specifically did not listen to yesterday's episode because in, just in case that today's topic related, <laughs> I wanted to be pure and fresh and All know right. as much about any topic as I ever know recording a song salad episode. Which is nothing. Usually. <laughs> yeah, usually it is nothing. Uh, well, the nice thing about geoengineering and specifically this proposal is that like you're not alone. Like no one knows anything about it, including <laughs> the people who study it. Because like one of the things, one of the problems here is that like all of the stuff that's been done about this is modeling based. It's all just right. computers and there's no one doing like on the ground studies where they're actually trying to spray stuff in part because they can't get money for it. And also and I think in part because like then they have to really confront the chemtrail conspiracy people who oh, no. believe this is already happening. That's true. So there's like this interesting, I like am obsessed with conspiracy <laughs> theories and that's part of why I'm interested in this idea because there is, there is this group of people who believe that this is already currently going on. Um, and as soon as scientists really try to step out from behind the like theoretical modeling world and try to test this, they're going to have to deal with those people. Um, and I don't think that they're ready. <laughs> oh my gosh. Humanity, it just... We only make it worse, don't we? Yep. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess today maybe we can write a theme song slash PSA for geoengineering. <laughs> geoengineering. Uh, maybe we can do some good education through song on this topic. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, what is the 
type of song do I get to know or do I have to wait till I hear the song? We're going to tell you now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, excited. <laughs> so our genre this week, uh, randomly selected from our list, is electro swing. <gasps> I don't know what that means. Yeah, we didn't either. <laughs> so electro swing is electronic music, like electronic dance music that's created using samples of vintage swing and big band music. So is it like the B-52s kind of? A little bit, yeah. Like if you think about, um, like if you have like a 1940s like big band swing song and you like have that sound of it playing through like a vinyl record or a phonograph and then you put it over a like techno beat, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and having then, a really uh, hard time picturing this. <laughs> we'll send you a sample. Uh, okay. And so that it you can listen amazing. while we write. Yeah, it was a, it's, it's really upbeat. It's really fun. And as uh, I was telling Scott, I think it appeals to the like futuristic yeah. mindedness uh, because we're taking something from the past and using technology to transform it into something new. That's yeah. perfect for flash forward though. It's like so meta. <laughs> it is. It's kismet. It's, it's almost like we planned it and we didn't, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> Sometimes it works out like this. Oh, I'm so excited. Great. So awesome. we are going to kick you off for okay. a little bit while we write okay. the song. Uh, and then you'll get an email from us whenever we're ready. Okay. Yay. Good Talk luck. to you soon. Have Thanks. fun. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. <All> right. Thanks, <laughs> Rose. I'm excited. Me too. This is fun. So I'm not going to read you my lyrics. Why not? Well, because I want Rose to hear them. Okay, good. But I will tell you that uh, structurally what I did yes. was there are two verses, rhyming verses, and then I split them up with a little, I guess not a chorus really, okay. but I, I would say like an interlude or a hook kind of thing. That works. I think that works for this genre, especially. Yeah. Especially because we're if we're going to be distorting the lyrics and making them sound kind of vintagey and gramophony or whatever, yes. we want them to be a textural element, and it's not like you're necessarily going to be singing along, right? Uh, and then I have a little, uh, just a quick two-line outro sort of thing, which repeats some of the words in the verse. Okay, can you tell me your like? take on the subject at all or are you gonna yeah, save that sure. for rose too so i kind of wanted to go with the more uh aping the swing song gotcha aspect of it so uh treating the aerosol sprays into the atmosphere <laughs> like it's a fun hip thing to do that you do with the hep cats it's the modern way yeah exactly i love that yeah so it's it should feel upbeat and positive and um as if doing science is the new cool dance <laughs> i love that yeah cool well upbeat and positive works with what i'm doing for the music good uh i decided to sample a dixieland swing song Ooh. called sweet georgia brown which know you it? probably know the melody to it's like everyone knows it every cartoon like fallen businessman looking for hamburgers song what <laughs> mouse diplomat just cut that i don't know fallen businessman looking for hamburgers i'm just thinking about you know how there's always like 
a fat character that's like, don't mind if I do. <laughs> and he's like a big, weird dad who just wants to eat. <laughs> I don't know. I'm digging myself into even There's a lot going on in your brain hole. right now. Oh, God. Sure. So I'm using that song because oh. it, it has a nice, like, peppy and recognizable feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and I've put it through a filter to make it sound like it's coming through an old gramophone or like a telephone or something. And then I am layering that with some electro beats. So uh, why don't I play a little bit of the uh, Sweet Georgia Brown sample on its own? Yeah. Here's that. And here's the beat that will eventually go underneath it. You'll just have to imagine what it sounds like together for now. Nice. And then I'm supplementing (laughs) all of that with some record scratch, like vinyl sounds, an addition of an electronic bass line, Mm. and then also a little bit of synthesizer to add a little more tonality around it. And like you said, we'll be processing the way the voice sounds to make it sound vintage as well. So that's my musical plan. And I think it'll just be uh, you know, it's kind of slight variations to separate the verses from each other. This genre doesn't seem like it's particularly interested in like harmonic exploration. <laughs> you no, know what I you're mean? supposed to dance to it, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. just supposed to have a steady, danceable beat. Right, and it doesn't do that thing that techno songs do a lot where it like drops out the beat and then you have this like the whooshy part yeah, yeah the kind of ethereal like breakdown before it drops the beat again no you just have the beat in the whole time and you just have fun and dance to it if and that's you it. want that you can go check out our song skeet of all saints <laughs> oh yes <laughs> that had a whooshy <laughs> breakdown in the middle right definitely yeah definitely <laughs> so that's uh that's the general gist of the song uh, and I guess you'll just tell me your lyrics off air and that way we can record it before Rose comes back on. Yeah. And come up with a title to present to her as well. Yeah. Cool. Let's go do all those things. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so we'll record the song and then we'll bring Rose back on and reveal the rest to you all as well. I can't wait. Here we go. Mm. We are back with Rose Eveleth from Flash Forward. We had an excellent time writing this song for you such a fun genre so fun i'm very excited did you have a productive 45 minutes (laughs) yeah yeah i did actually it was like i'm i'm so so stoked so i kept being like oh what did they did the email yet like (laughs) 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 not to rush you i mean like i can't write a song in a million years uh and so the idea of you writing a song in 45 minutes is incredible (laughs) but i was super excited so i kept like checking back well, I'll tell you a little bit about what I did for the music. Yeah. Um, there's a Dixieland song called Sweet Georgia Brown, which you'll probably recognize the melody when you hear it in the sample I used, but it goes like... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the like vintage jazz element that I brought into the song, and I processed it, as you'll hear, to make it sound like it's coming through a old gramophone or phonograph and then layered it with those electronic like contemporary percussion elements that make electro swing what it is and set Shannon's lyrics on top of that. So. Yeah. 
So when we were researching the lyrics of some of the more prominent electro swing artists, we noticed that a lot of the lyrics, because the lyrics are kind of a textural element and not necessarily a prominent sing-alongable musical element, they uh, tend to be kind of abstract and generally enthusiastic (laughs) and about like dancing. A lot of them were about swing dancing or like dancing to the beat or getting out and uh, moving your body and stuff like that. So I wanted to take that feeling and kind of treat climate science, specifically geoengineering in a similar way. (laughs) Like it's something to get excited about and people can, uh, I don't know, really go out and celebrate it and move their bodies to the idea of geoengineering. <laughs> it's the hip new thing that all the cool kids are doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, something else that I tend to associate with jazz and swing culture, erroneously or not, is like the <laughs> coining of slang terms. So like, uh, I don't know, I just think of like hep cats and stuff like that, like sure. things that are associated, lingo that's associated with that culture or scene. Um, and so I try to kind of incorporate that feeling uh, into some of the lyrics, which you'll sort of get the idea of what I mean. <laughs> so let's hear the lyrics. Yeah. So we've got a verse, a little uh, interlude, then a second verse uh, and an outro. Here we are. Hey, hey, let's get that spray. Sulfuric acid mist forestalls. Deadly rise of ocean ties with stratospheric aerosols. Oh, <laughs> oh I no. I it already. Oh, no, but don't say chemtrails. No, 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 don't call them chemtrails. And then the second verse. Spray, spray the hots away. Oh, do that funky science swing. Counteract man-made impact of chloral fluorocarbon zing. Uh, And then uh, the outro will be kind of like some repeated uh, lyrics from the verses. (laughs) You're a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Only Shannon can work the word chlorofluorocarbon spray into. Truly. It's honestly not the weirdest word I've had to put into a song for this podcast. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) But yeah, I wanted to incorporate the idea of the sulfuric acid, the fact that it is being sprayed into the atmosphere. Uh, I loved your point about the conspiracy theorists glomming on to the idea that this is actually chemtrails. So I wanted to make sure to work that in. Um, And then, I don't know, the idea of spray the hots away for like global warming (laughs) and climate change. (laughs) I think we, we haven't decided on a title yet, but Spray the Hots Away is a I think very that's, good yeah. contender. Spray the Hots Away is really good. The other option I thought was just don't say chemtrails. <laughs> <laughs> if we put a, something yeah. on the internet called don't say chemtrails, we're going yeah. to get trolled so hard. <laughs> that's true. Let's do Spray the Hots Away. Spray the Hots Away. <laughs> I love it. All well, right. Are you ready to hear it? I'm so ready. Cool. Well, here is Spray the Hots Away. A- an electro swing song. about (laughs) geoengineering by Shannon and Scott. Chemtrails. No, 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 don't call them chemtrails. Spray, spray the hots away. 
Breakdown at the end is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This is amazing. Thank you. Oh my god. Well, now um, there exists an electro swing song <laughs> about a topic of your very own. <laughs> I'm in awe. I like it's better than I could have ever dreamed. <laughs> so good. <laughs> We're happy. You're I'm gonna happy. have it stuck in my head too. I'm gonna be like walking the dog and be like spray, spray the hearts away. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's Berkeley. I live in Berkeley. No one will even think that's weird. (laughs) Very true. That's the great thing about living in either a big city or in a place like Berkeley is you are the least weird person anyone has seen that day. So like you're totally good. Yeah. Whenever I see someone talking to themselves on the subway, I assume they're just practicing a monologue for an audition they're going to. (laughs) 40% of the time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is incredible. I'm so so stoked. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, please feel free to use and abuse this song uh, if oh you God, would I'm like going to. to. I mean, can I play it on it. Flash Forward? You definitely yeah, can. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Oh my God. I can't you want I'm absolutely to. gonna play it next week at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. Thank you. And Rose, it has been so lovely talking to you. Thank you for being generous with your time and letting us do our silly podcast at you. We really appreciate it. Uh, oh my God, pe- it's my pleasure. If people want to find you or Flash Forward, where should they go? Yeah, so Flash Forward is flashforwardpod.com. It's also Flash Forward Pod on every social media. Flash Forward uh, is a sci-fi show that was out like five or six years ago. So that's taken on like every, oh, no. which is fine. Um, I mean, it's like a hilariously bad show. Like I, I love it deeply because it starts out kind of interesting. It has a really interesting premise and then just like goes off the rails so fast. Huh. <laughs> and you're just like, what is going on? Um, and I actually like learned recently that some of the uh, reason that the show just gets like truly, truly off the rails, like more than the average sci-fi show does um, is because they like kept losing showrunners and like people kept leaving the show. They just kept having like do weird. There was just like no continuity. Anyway, I highly recommend. I think it's only like two seasons. It's so bad, but it's so funny. Anyway, (laughs) Flash Forward Pod is um, is me on all the social media (laughs) stuff. And then I'm Rose Eveleth. I'm the only Rose Eveleth in the world for better or for worse. So if you look that up, it's me. (laughs) Yeah. Follow her on Twitter for um, progressive and woke tweets i highly encourage it (laughs) (laughs) well thank you again rose have a great night and enjoy having this song stuck in your head oh i absolutely will have it stuck (laughs) in my head and i'm very happy about it thank you so much for having me this is a total joy of course anytime Mm. rose is the best she's awesome that was really fun. It was so fun. And guys, seriously, Flash Forward is, in contrast to Song Salad, remarkably well-researched. I know. <laughs> I was uh, intimidated going into this, thinking that she was just going to be way too smart for us. And she is. Yeah. But <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Of course she is. <laughs> of course she is. But she was such a good sport, and uh, she genuinely seemed to have fun. So that was, that was nice. <laughs> yes. Flash Forward, one of my faves. Check it out. And... Check us out more at Song Salad Cast on Twitter. Yeah. If you're here because uh, you found us through Flash Forward somehow, we're so pleased to have you. 
you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Overcast, Stitcher, Blueberry, if that's still a thing. Uh, I was excited about Blueberry when that was first a thing for us. Oh. Who knows if it exists anymore? I don't know. Uh, you can find us on our website, songsaladpodcast.com, and you can interact with us and a lot of other loyal vegetarians on our Facebook group, Song Salad Podcast, the produce section. We would love to see you there. We pretty much religiously troll it, so <laughs> <laughs> so we will definitely see your uh, posts and respond to you. Huge thank you to our Patreon donors. We love you lots. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash song salad and donate whatever amount you choose to us indeed any little bit helps and it uh covers all of our hosting fees all of our website costs and i don't know advertising yeah yeah go listen to the third episode of hamilcast if you haven't already yeah comes out today and listen to scott talk all about song salad and hamilton it's true. So the first two episodes I've listened to and I was like, okay, yeah, I remember talking about all this stuff. And then oh, right. uh, third episode, uh, there might be some stuff that I'm surprised by because Jillian makes a strong drink. I was texting <laughs> with Scott the evening that he recorded uh, with Jillian uh, for Hamilcast. And I had been texting him because I needed an answer to something. And he didn't respond for like six hours, which is weird for Scott because normally we can't stop texting each other. <laughs> and he finally responded at like 1230 at night and was like, I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and also I've been recording with Jillian this whole time and it blew my mind that he had been recording that whole time. So watch the episode's going to come out. It's going to be like, I never wanted Shannon as my co-host. <laughs> Shannon made me do this podcast. I'm the real lyricist of the team, <laughs> and she's never given me a chance. Ooh, all the hot goss. It's all, all going to come out. All the secret resentments are going to come out this week's Hamilcast. So tune in to hear if that happens. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, until next week. I'm Shannon. And I'm Scott. And this has been Song Salad. Eat your, your veggies. veggies. Crunch. So you can live forever in the future. Ooh, Rose also has a good episode about food pills. Ooh. Like if you don't have to eat anymore and you just take pills for all your nutrition. I like that. It's a good one. Oh, they're all good. Could you, I guess it would defeat the purpose, but could you have like different flavored food pills? <laughs> <laughs> you just like eating one, stuff. Two, three, it's true. <laughs> Thank you.